Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Maas. In this episode, Bike Portland's Maritza Arango takes over the mic for a conversation with Marley Blonsky and Kaylee Kornhauser. Marley and Kaylee are building a platform around All Bodies on Bikes, which is not only the name of their Shimano-sponsored documentary film that's been viewed over 230,000 times on YouTube, it's also the name of a nationwide nonprofit organization they're currently working to build. Marley and Kaylee are leading a revolution of inclusion, to use Marley's term, in the cycling world. What started out as a few tweets because they couldn't find cycling gear that fit them has become a national movement with a very bright future. So whether you identify personally with Kaylee and Marley, or if you just don't get what all the fuss about this dynamic duo is all about, I think you're going to love this conversation. Welcome everyone. I'm really excited to be here with Marley and Kaylee from All Bodies on Bikes and to have this beautiful conversation about how representation matters and how amazing women like they are really changing the scene and bringing some powerful and meaningful messages to other bodies that are not white cis males on <laughs> and fit white cis males on bikes so welcome kaylee and marley thank you so much for being here thank, thank you, you for having us yeah so i think the first thing we have to start talking about is fat phobia i think this is let's go with the <laughs> with the big thing first and then we can start speaking about biking and all your story but i think explaining a little bit of what fat phobia is and I have to say here I myself I am a fat woman that have been struggling during my entire life with putting on and losing weight since I was a kid so I've been very fit doing crossfit and I've been very fat doing crossfit <laughs> so um <laughs> what can you tell us about fat phobia yeah fat phobia um you know, it's a concept that um, culturally and in our society, we, um, you know, you could take the literal meaning that we actually fear fat and that there's also structural forms of oppression that people in larger bodies face. Um, there are conscious and subconscious feelings that individuals have about people in larger bodies that lead to some of these cultural trends. Um, I think, uh, you know, we know that people in larger bodies face challenges receiving proper medical care. Um, we know from research that people in larger bodies get paid less or have less access to jobs. Um, in biking, we know that people in larger bodies have trouble finding physical equipment because bikes have weight limits and clothes have um, size limits. And so that keeps certain people from being able to access the activity that we all love to do. Um, we also know that there's just biases that people have individually, and, and that's usually what fat phobia is referring to, um, is, is kind of the individual bias that we have against people in larger bodies. And it's a good time to mention that Marley and I are both fat bike riders, but we are what's considered small fat or mid-fat. Um, so we're a bit smaller on the, the kind of scale of what's considered fat. Um, Whereas somebody in a, a larger body than ours uh, might not be able to find bikes or clothes that work, we are able to find those things. So we have privilege compared to uh, people that are larger than us. So it's important to recognize that that uh, oppression that's felt because of fat phobia gets exponentially worse for people in larger bodies, people of color, 
uh, you know, people who are not cisgendered, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anything else, Marley? You do such a good job explaining it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think just on the, the bigger cultural picture, being fat is like the worst thing to some people and they will structure their entire lives to avoid it. You know, um, going to the gym multiple times a day, restricting their eating. And I don't want to focus on that too much because I would prefer to focus on the joy that we structure our lives around. But, you know, I would love to just reframe the conversation. Like, why is it so bad to be in a larger body? Like, we're soft. We're ample. I don't get cold as easily. Um, There's a lot of joy in being a fat person. And I would love to just really challenge that the whole idea of being fat um, as a bad thing. It's a simple description, honestly, and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And fat phobia has been used to fuel so many kind of toxic industries um, that suck up a lot of people's money and time. Um, And as soon as you start to question, you know, should I be afraid of being fat? What's so bad about being fat? All of a sudden you have a bunch more time and a bunch more money that you're not spending on um, trying to focus so much of your energy on staying small or, or getting small if you never were. So sorry, Marley, you just got me thinking. So. <laughs> yeah, but and a bunch more emotion, you so much more everything when you stop worrying about the scale or the size on your pants, like the whole world opens up to you. It is hard though, because for a lot of people saying fat or large or overweighted, even me, I include myself, it takes a lot of courage to say, I am a fat woman. And I just started doing that very recently in my life. And it's hard because I know like society like refuses to accept that it doesn't mean being lazy mm-hmm. or it doesn't mean being sick or being fit doesn't or skinny or whatever we want to call it doesn't mean that you are not sick or doesn't mean that uh you are a person that exercises and eats well so it's it's crazy because uh, there's so many social misconceptions and i especially feel um that all these misconceptions around being fat are over women so much more than they are over men. So everyone that considers and identifies as a woman and it's overweighted or fat or obese or however it doesn't fit in the fit world, it's bad. And there's a lot of fat people that don't know that fat phobia is a thing and they just suffer because of it and there's a lot of people that have unconsciously oppressed others because of an unconscious internalized fat phobia totally yeah name things naming things is important (laughs) yeah 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 and i think we all have internalized bias and i think i have unlearning to do um i have my own internalized fat phobia Um, and it's something that I work on confronting every day. I think similar to you, Maritza, um, I recently started calling myself a fat woman within the last two years and using that word has taken the power away from it. 
it's taken away the emotion. Um, when I was a kid, I was called like fatty. Um, I was nicknamed Miss Piglet. I was um, ridiculed for being the chubby kid. And it was painful. It was really, really hurtful. Um, and I think a lot of folks have that experience, whether it's an older sibling or, you know, kids in their classroom making fun of them for being the bigger kid. And so that pain lingers. So then to call yourself a fat woman can be really hard and really painful. Um, but for me, using that word to describe myself saying I am a fat woman, like I said, you know, it takes away the emotion and it takes away the power. And if I call myself fat before somebody on the internet does, then you're taking their power away. <laughs> yeah. What else can they call me? Like, bring it on, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Please don't. Please don't name call me. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Especially that. Why people feel like they can comment on you, like family or friends or people just like whatever like oh you're putting on some weight and especially like in latin america so i grew up in colombia where like this colombian narco aesthetic beauty is a thing you know like plastic surgery and having women being super hot and people have like latin americans we have this thing that everyone thinks that they can say whatever to you and it's like oh Mamita, está más gordita. It's like, oh, you're a little bit more chubby. Are you eating all your soup? So it's this thing that I really appreciate how starting to name these things puts a barrier on people. Like, don't say that. Just don't comment on my body. And this is a thing where I can start linking on feminism. That was another thing I wanted to speak with you about. And is how don't comment on my body is also part of this huge message that feminism or the different feminisms, because it's plural, I think, um, just teaches us. And I wanted to know a little bit more of your approach on your work and how you imagine or think or conceive or just theorize about feminism with your all bodies on bikes work it's so this is marley kaylee and i sound somewhat similar sometimes i think <laughs> um it's such an interesting question so my degree is actually in gender studies and women's studies um and so i haven't thought about it from this lens in depth um until recently realizing that um you know as kaylee mentioned earlier we're both white we're both cisgender um we have a lot of privilege in this space and I think it's our responsibility to use that privilege to um, further the discussion about more marginalized bodies. How do we take this power that we suddenly have? You know, I'm sponsored by Shimano and Pearl Izumi and a lot of big name bike brands. How do we take this power to uplift more marginalized groups than ourselves, whether that's black women or communities of color or indigenous women, get them onto bikes, you know? Um, so I think that's kind of the, the angle that I'm starting to take this work and my feminism, feminist work. Uh, but I have a lot of learning to do and a lot of thinking to do on this. Um, you know, when we, we pick the name All Bodies on Bikes, um, I know that the work we're doing right now isn't fully representative of that. Um, I want to work with um, 
people with disabled bodies. I don't know if that's the proper way to say that even. I know we have work to do. We're only reaching a very limited group right now. Um, But I think acknowledging that and again, naming that and recognizing it and saying this is a starting point is all I can do for right now and then continuing to build out the work. Yeah, I think I think bicycling inherently has um, historically, sometimes not so positively, but sometimes very positively been a form of empowerment, feminist empowerment. And I think that like the work that we're doing to combat fat phobia, but specifically doing that in the space of cycling is about like feminist physical autonomy, like we are empowered by how we like by the physical action of riding our bikes and we're sort of bringing the idea back. I think what you said about like limiting what people are allowed, you know, what is appropriate to say about someone else's body. Um, This is just taking, taking it a step further and saying like, when we consider our spaces as inclusive feminist spaces, it also includes body size. Um, and it includes it in an intersectional way, hopefully. And it's about feeling empowered in whatever body you have to do this activity of riding your bike because because it's fun and joyful. I think claiming joy as like the motivation for biking is also a feminist, you know, exercise because it's not about productivity or about um, some of the more masculine aspects of cycling, um, some of the achievement-based motivations. And so I like to think what we're doing is hopefully intersectional. I think we have a lot of work to do to make it more so, as Marley's saying. But um, I think I think that inherently the things we're doing are feminist, even if we haven't necessarily thought of it like directly connected to that um, as much as we should at this point. I think you are doing it. Don't take that (laughs) from you. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're doing it. And thank you, Marley and Kaylee, for acknowledging all that is missing because that's a really good starting point, like knowing all the work that we have to do and all the people that we have to include. That is feminism. And for a lot of people that don't understand that feminism is not like taking power from men and giving it to women. No, it's like giving it to everyone and working for intersectionality. There is something. Uh, so I have to say we are recording this episode on September the 22nd, uh, 2021. And I am pulling up the date because today there was this article that came out in the Willamette Weekly. I really enjoyed reading it. And it was uh, something that uh, Kaylee mentioned. It was like, I am a fat cyclist and I don't need to fix my body. So let's speak a little bit about that, about how people feel like maybe women like us bike in order to fix our bodies, to get slimmer, to lose weight, to whatever people think. And how is that relationship between you and your bikes and not fixing your bodies? When I started cycling, I was under the mindset that I was doing it to change the way I looked by losing weight or gaining strength that would change my physical appearance. I really, it wasn't, I wouldn't say my main motivator, but I just thought it would be like an outcome or byproduct of riding my bike a lot. And when it didn't happen, 
I started to wonder like, oh, is this for me? Because I don't, I thought if I rode my bike, I'd start to like look in air quotes, look like a cyclist. And I was really fortunate to have access to some, um, some physical and mental health practitioners that kind of showed me like, you don't have to be in a smaller body to uh, do these activities and you should, you know, they, they were the first people who um, introduced me to joyful movement and the idea that we do activities because they make us feel good. Uh, and so that for me was a big reframing moment because I no longer wanted to approach cycling to change how my body looked. And if an outcome of cycling was that my body stayed exactly the way it was, that didn't matter because that's not why I ride my bike. And, um, so I started, that's like my starting point when I started to think like, wait a second, is the other stuff that I've been told about my body wrong too? Like, <laughs> like actually I am really strong and I am a really experienced cyclist and I love this thing, even though I don't in an, in air quotes again, look fit. Um, and I think when I started thinking that way, the, I recognized the assumptions other people were making. It was like an eye opening thing to be out on the road and have somebody pass me as I'm biking up a hill and say, oh, you've got this, or uh, you can make it to the top, you know, uh, way to get out there. And I was thinking like, well, why are they saying that to me and not to the other people that are out here? And it's because, you know, they're making an assumption about the reason I'm out on my bike is to lose weight or get in shape, even though they have no idea what shape I'm in. <laughs> so, so I think it was eye-opening. In some ways, it's uh, you know, it's hard when then people make those comments and you see them for what they are. But in the end, the end result of me realizing that I didn't need to approach cycling to fix my body was all of the great work that we get to do now <laughs> in advocating for body size inclusion in cycling. So I think, um, I mean, it's just been like the most tremendous paradigm shift to think of cycling not as a way to change the way my body looks. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add to that because I think Kaylee's story is so powerful in that. Um, besides that, you know, when I go to these events or big races, I do still get a lot of comments from folks of, oh, cool, you're doing the 50 mile this year, which is typically the shortest distance. And people will say, oh, next year you'll get in shape and do the 100 mile or the 200 mile. And I'm like, I probably won't. Um I could do those today if I wanted to, but that's just not my style of writing. Um, you know, it was it was really interesting hearing Kaylee talk just now about the air quote encouragement that we are often given as larger bodied cyclists. And I did my first cyclocross race last weekend. And um, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it was wild. It was so fun. So hard. Uh, I can't wait to do it again. There's so many things to talk about there in terms of, you know, why have I been on the side spectating for five years? Um, you know, there was a lot of internalized body shame there of, you know, people would see how slow I actually was or how out of shape I actually was, blah, blah, blah. But the the things people said to me as I was climbing the hill or like slowly walking my bike up the hill versus what they said to other people um, really irked me a lot. I was like, I, they were like, you can do it. Come on, pedal faster. And I want to just yell back. Like 
I am pedaling as fast as my fat ass can go right now. Shut up. Like, <laughs> do you not, like, hear how hard I'm breathing? And, like, if you could see my heart rate data, I'm not going to pedal any faster. Like, you get out here and do this. I would just ask people who are spectating those races to really check themselves and think about what they're saying to different people as they are riding by you. Honestly, I think most of it is well-intentioned. Like, you know, a really big part of cyclocross culture is the heckling. But there's so many things you could say to me instead. Like, I don't know. There's... Yeah, just go, go, go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, hey, I got a beer for you. You want to take a break? Like, yeah. you can say that yes. to me anytime you want. <laughs> the worst one I hear is, like, when you get to the top of a big climb and somebody asks if you're okay. <laughs> that one is, like, the worst. I'm, like, I'm just, like, have a red face when I exercise. And then, you know, you're out of breath like anybody would be. And then people, like, assume you need, like, their medical help, even though they, like, don't have any medical knowledge. Like, they're going to somehow help you. And it's just the worst. <laughs> really, for maybe someone that has never read read anything or listened to anything, can you tell us a very short story about how you got started with this? And maybe what are your future plans? And I don't know, like... Make a little introduction. Um, so I've been, this is Marley. I've been doing body size inclusion and advocacy work for uh, probably five or six years. But primarily it was like tweeting at companies of, hey, I want a rain jacket or I want bibs to ride in, etc. Of just, um, you know, individual advocacy and activism. Um, there was a women trans femme non-binary bike explorers summit that was happening and there was a lot of conversation happening about inclusion in the bike world inclusion and diversity and um we had a conversation there with a bunch of people about body size inclusion and realized that there wasn't a lot of conversation happening um outside of this little circle of folks And I realized, like, okay, we need to do something about this. Around that same time, I ran across Kaylee, who um, was riding across Alaska, which is a really, really awesome story. And I think she should tell that in just a minute. Um, but I think what she, the, I saw her on Instagram, and the comment that she had made was like, hey, I just rode across Alaska and didn't have a raincoat. And I was like, boom, here's another really strong, badass athlete who looks like me, doing the same kind of biking as me, we should like coordinate on this and work together. So fast forward to the next year, we went to the WTF Bike Explorer Summit again. They've since rebranded to the Radical Adventure Riders. If you're not familiar, look them up. Um, we did a formal presentation to, I don't know how many people were in the room, 50, 60, including a bunch of folks from the bicycle industry. Um, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive of, you know, holy cow, This is a total blind spot for so many of us. Um, keep doing this. And so that kind of got the ball rolling. Um, from there, we did it virtually at the um, League of American Bicyclists Summit. And then we started doing a number of virtual summits from there. Um, excuse me, not summits, just presentations and seminars. And then uh, Kaylee's friend Zeppelin from college is a filmmaker. And he saw a story about us in the Washington Post, I believe and said, I want to tell your story as a film. 
he slid into Shimano's DMs on Instagram and proposed or pitched the story, and it kind of took off from there. Um, so since then, the film came out in March. We have led over 10 group rides with all bodies on bikes, ranging in size from like 30 riders all the way up to 1,000 people, which is wild, like 1,000 people on a group ride. Um, and, you know, there were pro cyclists on that ride. There were grandmas on that ride who said, I stopped riding in group rides years ago um, because I just didn't feel comfortable. They were kids. Um, so we're really, I think, kind of leading a, a revolution of inclusion in the bike world. And so what's next for us is we're going to kind of build out the structure of All Bodies on Bikes because um, right now it's just me and Kaylee leading these rides, which is awesome, but not uh, meeting the demands. People want these rides and they want them everywhere. And so we're going to build out some chapters, train people in how to do it um, and how to lead rides in their town, and then continue working with the bike industry on creating, like Kaylee said, bikes for big people, clothing for big people, um, inclusive communities, and go from there. I think you've reached out to a very interesting topic. Just in the United States, I think like 40% or something like that of the population is overweighted. So it's it's crazy. Like you are losing half, almost half of the population to sell stuff to. I would like to know more for the cycling world. What are or who are those people or brands that are doing a good job? Who would you recommend like to go and look up for? And if you have maybe some advice on more affordable brands or other like super high quality brands, maybe like different ranges of brands that are doing a good job. Clothing wise, um, Marley mentioned earlier, she's an ambassador for Pearl Azumi and I'm um, an ambassador for Machines for Freedom right now. And both of those brands go up to 3XL in some of their clothing. And um, I would say Machines for Freedom especially is on kind of the higher price range. And Pearl has a good range of prices um, and, and size options. There, we you know, we've tried both of the shorts um, from either company and and I don't want to speak for Marley but I like both you know both machines and pearl shorts and they work for me um, and I carry a, a lot of my body weight in the area that the shorts would go so um, for me finding shorts that fit is key um, I we, I do want to mention um, for people above a 3XL we always point folks to our sports which is it's a triathlon brand that goes up to 6XL and um, there, I don't know of many existing cycling specific clothing brands so not triathlon brands that go above a 3XL. Would you say that? I know of a couple. Mind? Yeah. There's, I think Aerotech is one. Um, I have not personally tried their clothes, but I've heard every time I post about clothing on the internet, people always recommend them. So Aerotech is one. Um, and then Fat Lad at the back is another one. They're based out of the UK. And I think they go up to either 5 or a 6X. Um, and so I believe that they also have um, different price points as well. Um, there's a couple of other ones. Velocio has some extended sizing. Um, but I'm actually really excited. Kaylee mentioned that I am an ambassador for Pearl Azumi. Um, just within the last week, 
I signed a contract with them to be a paid athlete. Um, so <laughs> I'm now a professional <laughs> cyclist, um, which we'll be doing like a formal announcement soon um, and like a big marketing campaign with them. Um, but that's amazing. Like, <laughs> mind blowing. Like <laughs> I never would have thought that I would be a professional athlete. Like I was a C squad athlete my entire life, like never on any varsity sports teams ever. So um, I, there are brands that are, um, I think trying to do the right thing. They, I think like you said, Maritza, they see the need, they want to do it. Um, and I can only speak for Prolazumi on this, but I am working with the product designers to, um, figure out what needs to happen in this to really meet the need. Cause right now, you know, even in their stuff, there's only, there's very few items that actually fit me, which is a little frustrating, but, um, I'm really excited to work with them and, expand what's available that is amazing morley congratulations thank you (laughs) yeah i can't imagine how proud of yourself you are and that's really amazing and congratulations to both of you because i think it's really great what you're doing for the industry but also for other women just like being able to speak about this and being ambassadors for brands and just like i just wonder what would have happened for me if when I was a little girl struggling you know uh with my weight when I was I don't know eight years old and already being on diets uh people just like seeing people like with larger uh, bodies like doing sports that would have been so different yeah 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 I can't even imagine what it would have been like as a kid to like think I could be a person that rides bikes you know because we kind of had to like make that space and and clearly there were so many people out there already riding bikes that were in larger bodies but like we didn't know each other before Instagram really (laughs) so it did feel like sometimes it felt like you were the only one like it must just be that nobody does this but it's not true and we know it And I think it's more than half of U.S. women are in a 16 or or larger sized clothing. So there's a huge industry. And the physical bike manufacturers themselves have also been really responsive to to the message. And and I've been super impressed with them reaching out to Marley and I to ask, you know, what they can do to to make bikes that work for bigger people, which is so awesome. because it's we are in a sport that requires a machine that's weight bearing, so we really need uh, bike manufacturers to to pick up that slack and and do something. Let's talk about your future plans. Tell me more about what's going to happen now. What's coming on for both of you? What's coming on for all bodies on bikes? What are you imagining and dreaming for? Yeah, what's next? I think Marley mentioned earlier that we want to start up chapters of All Bodies on Bikes and just bring more folks into kind of the leadership of of this movement or organization or whatever we are, um, continuing to work with brands, clothing and bike brands and component brands to make sure that the equipment exists for people of all sizes to do this sport. Um continuing to do our workshops um, and get the message out through podcasts and articles 
uh, I think that um, pers- like my personal bike goals, maybe we could share those, Marley, too. I don't know. <laughs> Personally, I, I'm finishing my PhD right now, so that's my main goal. But as soon as that is done, I hope to do some really long bikepacking trips that I've put off for a while. Um, hopefully the Great Divide um, is a dream. And um, maybe some other trails. Every time I think I know what I want to do, they post a new great trail on the internet that I'm like, maybe I want to do that one. <laughs> so take some time to really do some, some biking um, and, and keep getting the message out, but also bringing pe- more people in uh, and hearing their stories. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, incorporating all bodies on bikes as a nonprofit so that way we can start to get some funding um, to do the trainings for chapter leaders and getting that established um, making this into a sustainable model. Um, so that way Kaylee and I don't get burnt out on it. Um, and then long-term, I would love to design some really cool bikes and some clothing. Um, you know, it's really cool to consult on this, but it'd be really cool to actually design them. Maybe have like the Marley that's like your all around town commuting bike, or you can have the Kaylee, the bike packing bike. That's like good for up to 400 pounds, including all your bikepacking gear. I don't know. I'm just dreaming at this point. Um, But as far as my personal uh, bike goals, um, next year, I um, actually, Kaylee and I are both joining the Shimano Road Crew. Um, So you'll see us on some sweet little road bikes next year, which will be a new adventure for us. Um, We are not your typical road cyclists, um, but we do ride on road, so that'll be fun. And then, um, yeah, just doing some more gravel races, more cyclocross, and just, I think, learning more. As I, as I have felt more included into the bike world, it's been really fun to get out there and explore different types of cycling that I traditionally felt marginalized from. And I think that's why I had always just done bikepacking, because I could always do my own thing. And now that I feel included... It's like, cool, let's try gravel. Let's try, I don't even know, um, maybe track racing. I have no idea, um, but I'm here for it. <laughs> Kaylee's face is like, oh my God, Marley, you're nuts. <laughs> track racing. <laughs> I'm just like afraid of track racing because it looks like they're like defying gravity when they go around the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never said I'd be good at it, but I could try it. That's already a lot. (laughs) That is amazing, that idea of designing things. Maybe this is a great path that you can explore. And hopefully, maybe someone that listens to this conversation will say like, hey, I want to design the Kaylee and the Marley. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, we have a lot of experience in riding bikes that both work for us and don't work for us. Um, We've ridden a lot of very ill-fitting bicycles in our time. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think we could definitely give some really good guidance. Um, I think one other thing that, you know, we're both really passionate about is getting people onto bikes that work for them. Um, so who knows, maybe starting up a bike consulting business or the world is kind of our oyster at this point. Um, if people want to know more about you, I know you have your website that it's allbodiesonbikes.com. 
where else can people find you where else can people like read about you or get in touch with you ask you questions we've got our all bodies on bikes instagram which is a great way to get in touch with us if you message on there we we're always getting messages from folks and the all bodies on bikes facebook page is not necessarily a great way to get in touch with us but it's a great way to plug in to just the most amazing community of people. I kind of wasn't going on Facebook and now I'm going on Facebook again because this group is so awesome. There's like, how many people in the group now? I don't even know. Almost 3,000, I think. Yeah, of the most positive and inspirational people, like getting out on bikes and hyping each other up. Um, And then we've got our personal um, websites too, which are just ournames.com, right? Both of us. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. You can always just Google us. There's a lot of articles out there and I forget sometimes everything that we've done. Um, you know, everything from the Washington post to bike Portland. Um, there's all sorts of stuff out there. So, but if there's a specific topic you have questions about, feel free to reach out. You know, people are funny. They're like, I saw you at the grocery store and I was too intimidated to say hi. Like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just normal people. Say hi, please. Like, yeah. Oh. And yeah. we love giving like advice about bike gear to people too. So I, a lot of people have questions about like what they should, you know, be looking for in terms of like a saddle or something. And we don't have the answers always, but we can at least point you in the direction. Totally. I, I don't know if you have the answer now. Maybe I'm just going a little bit too fast. But let's say if someone like me <laughs> would like to host a bike ride in Portland or anywhere else and as part of All Bodies on Bikes, how are you imagining this to happen? Or, or have you already like established some ideas, points, things to do before doing that? Yeah, so... I I love that question because we've gotten that a couple times. Um, And right now, I think funding is the the biggest barrier um, because basically getting us out to lead the ride is all we have to do. Um, And Portland's easy. You know, it's easy for Kaylee and I to get to Portland. Um, But to get across the country, um, you know, if one of us is already traveling there, we're trying to host rides as part of those travels. So, for example... Uh, when I went to Kansas for Unbound Gravel, I hosted a ride in Kansas City and Emporia. Um, and I did the same thing when I went to Denver, um, or not Denver, but Colorado. But if there's another random location, if we can find a reason for one of us to go out there and somebody to help sponsor that trip. So whether it's you know coming out for a speaking engagement or doing some consulting or some other reason to justify us traveling out there and leading that ride, that's what's really going to compel the travel. So uh, in two weeks, I'm heading out to Boston um, to work with Nemo Equipment on a project. Um, And while I'm there uh, working with them, so they're up in Maine, I'll be spending a couple days in Boston doing a ride there. So like that's a great example of um, leading a ride, but also working with a company while I'm there. And our next, like our next step with All Bodies on Bikes is to work on chapters and, and training chapter leaders um, so like so that we aren't having to be present for all of the rides. Um, and, you know, we have had people ask us if they could host a ride and then 
we've wanted to be pretty intentional to make sure that we get to, um, you know, just make sure that there's um, people who have knowledge about how to lead a safe ride, but also people who really understand the mes message and mission of all bodies on bikes. And so that's kind of, that's the next, that that's our immediate next step really is where we're hoping to go is training up people kind of all over the place and having them ride, you know, in their own local communities, um, which is, will be really awesome. And then they can also share their stories and, and their platforms and, you know, uh, kind of the spotlight can move to some other people. Folks are super, super set on us coming to their town. Just get in touch and we will figure something out. Uh, you know, I recently quit my full-time job and am doing this full-time of building out this platform and building out this work. Uh, and so likely once winter is over, um, that will mean another road trip um, of going out and doing these rides. So get in touch. I feel we have so many things to talk about. Like, I wanted to ask you about road trips and just like bike traveling. I know we are reaching out time, but let's make another <laughs> space for this conversation to happen. Let's try Absolutely. to keep in touch. And I would really love to be more engaged in what you're doing. Me as Maritza, I'm speaking here. <laughs> uh, and hopefully somehow as Bike Portland as well. I think it's really, again, really important, really meaningful, really powerful what you're doing. And thank you for being amazing women doing rad things. And I'm so proud of that work you're doing. Thank you so much. And I Thank can't you. wait for us to be able to ride with you in Portland. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That was by Portland's Maritza Rango speaking with Marley Blonsky and Kaylee Kornhauser from All Bodies on Bikes. You can find links to all the companies and other resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. Our theme music is by Kevin Hartnell. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to the hundreds of Bike Portland subscribers and financial supporters who make this content possible. If you aren't one of them yet, please become one today. It makes a huge difference. And make sure to leave a review and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next episode. I'm Jonathan Moss, and until next time, I'll see you in the streets.